When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, May 8th edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Happy to be with you as we kick off another week of shows here on Major League Baseball on VSIN's MLB podcast. So we got plenty of stuff to get to on this episode and plenty of stuff to get to throughout the week as well. Over at VSIN.com, our NBA and NHL playoff hubs still going on. Of course, second round action in both of those postseasons. That includes episodes of Hardwood Handicappers and also our hockey betting podcast for you to check out. We'll have some stuff on Thursday for the NFL schedule release, taking a look at all 32 teams in article form. And then also on air, we'll have graphics for all 32 teams and some clips with some schedule analysis as we look ahead to the 2023 NFL season. So you can look forward to that. We're still covering golf, NASCAR, tennis, UFC, all that good stuff over at the website. Next major championship coming up next week, the PGA Championship. Uh, this week, they're at TPC Craig Ranch for the lead-in event to the next major. So we'll have a preview of that over at vsin.com, and also our Long Shots podcast will be coming out here soon as well. vsin.com slash subscribe, $9.99 introductory offer for the first month. Then you can decide what you want to do from there. We'll have some... Uh, subscription offers coming up throughout the course of the summer as well for you to check out. So head on over to vston.com and look at everything we have to offer, including my article, which is Monday through Saturday over there at the website. All right. So for sabermetric stats of the day today, we'll talk some defense, got an 11 game card that gave me a headache this morning. So I'll talk a little bit more about that. But first I want to start with what we saw over the weekend here offensively and Again, when looking at this in small sample sizes, there will be a lot of variance just kind of based on the matchups, where the games are played, who the starting pitchers are, stuff like that. But a couple of takeaways from this past weekend that I just wanted to address very quickly on the show here. The first is that stolen bases were 67 for 87 over the weekend across the 45 games, 77%. And the league-wide stolen base percentage is 78.8% which is still up from previous seasons. 
but it was north of 80% for a large portion of the month of April. So catchers, pitchers, everybody is adjusting here uh, to the rule changes. Catchers maybe improving their pop time a little bit, maybe guessing in some of these counts that guys will be running. So maybe you're getting better pitches to throw on, stuff like that. But we have seen stolen bases kind of regress back a little bit in terms of success rate and maybe regressing back a little bit, too, in terms of stolen base attempts, as we've kind of seen more caught stealings here of late. But that was one of the things I took away. The other takeaway is, once again, the strikeout rate was down. I believe it was 21.7 or 21.8 percent over the weekend here. Look, we're just we're losing pitchers left and right. I mean, there are a lot of guys on the injured list, and it doesn't really seem to be slowing down. We have had some minor leaguers come up and wind up with a lot of strikeouts, but you're also getting more starts from fifth and sixth starter type guys, guys that aren't necessarily prospects, but are just around because they can be innings eaters and stuff like that. So we have seen that here across Major League Baseball, and I think that contributes to it as much as anything with a little bit of a strikeout percentage decrease. Also, something else to keep an eye on as we go forward here, while we're losing a lot of starting pitchers, and that's been a big talking point to say the least, we're probably going to start losing more relievers as well as the season goes along. You know, some guys that have 20-plus appearances already, well, you know, you wonder how long they can stay together because I think the pitch clock will ultimately impact relievers as well. So that's something else to keep an eye on here as we go forward where, you know, it's just a really, really difficult season for a lot of teams on the injury front so far. And you kind of want to prioritize some of these smarter organizations, these teams that are likely to have better depth, higher upside guys in the minor leagues. And it's tough right now. You know, if you're somebody who likes to dive into the futures markets in season or anything like that, it's very tricky because you don't know who's going to be in the rotation a couple of months from now. And that's true of every season, but it certainly seems to be more of an epidemic this year with pitcher injuries. So over the weekend, we did see a 250 batting average, 322 on base, 400 slugging. The slugging percentage was down. Uh, from where it is for the full season here, batting average up a couple of points on base percentage up a point. So maybe that's kind of our new baseline right now. But again, as the weather gets warmer, the ball will carry a little bit more. And furthermore, as it's getting warmer, because of all the injuries that we have now, you're going to have a lot of these minor league fifth and sixth starter types of dudes kind of getting more prominent roles at the big league level. And a lot of times the biggest difference between the minor leagues and the major leagues is command is your ability to locate pitches in the strike zone, locate pitches off the edges where you want to. So those guys wind up with more walks, more home runs, stuff like that. So that may ultimately lead to an increase in offense as the weather warms up. So again, I'll be keeping an eye on this and see if we can pick up on any you know significant macro trends or anything like that. But for right now, uh, it's just it's just tough to see all these starting pitchers going down. Some guys will be coming back from injury, but keep in mind that once a guy gets injured, whether it's the previous season or for that season, the likelihood of a return injury is higher. So just kind of a war of attrition right now in terms of the injury situations for a lot of these teams. I'm going to keep this Monday show a little bit shorter here than previous Monday shows have been just simply because I'm getting this together late because, as I said, today's card was uh, was a difficult one for me. But I wanted to talk for the sabermetric stats of the day today about defensive metrics. And the first thing I want to say, I want to preface this discussion by saying that defensive metrics are still very, very much 
a work in progress. This is something that despite all of the great analytics data that we have, we have not been able to really master defensive metrics around Major League Baseball. It has gotten better with advances in technology. It has definitely gotten better. I mean, we got StatCast's outs above average metric now. There was a big update in 2020 to defensive runs saved that kind of you know took into account not only more technology, but also the advances in the game in terms of defensive shifting. Well, of course, now defensive shifting has been outlawed. So, you know, all these things defensively are very, very tough to kind of get a grasp on because you you had all this shifting on the infield. You still have outfield shifting. You have all sorts of these different things, not to mention the imperfect nature of catcher framing, which is the way that catchers steal calls on the corner. Some guys are just way better at it than others. And those metrics may be, to some degree, a little bit overvalued. I think, for example, Pakoda projections with baseball prospectus, I think they overvalue defense and specifically overvalue catcher defense. It's very important. Don't get me wrong. But I think we just haven't really mastered, haven't really been able to perfectly quantify all of these defensive metrics and these things that are out there. The eye test is still part of it. You know, you can watch a guy in center field and be like, man, that guy's bad. And he probably is. Or you can watch a guy out there in left field and go, man, that guy's really good. And he probably is. The defensive metrics, just like anything else, try to quantify what the eyes are seeing. And that's something I try to push quite a bit with sabermetric analysis is this isn't just a bunch of nerds sitting in a room making shit up. This is what you try to do to quantify how much better one player is than another or how much better or worse one player is than league average. This is a quantification of what your eyes can see. You can see that a guy is better in center field than another guy. How much better is he? That's what the stats are attempting to figure out. And I know people say that analytics have ruined the game and and whatever else. Analytics have just made the game different. They've had teams prioritize things in different ways. Have they suppressed player salaries at times? Absolutely. But every business looks at metrics and analytics to try and figure out how to cut costs and and things like that. So the defensive metrics try to do the same thing. And I'll start with defensive runs saved. Now, this is by and large kind of a plus minus system. So if a play is said to be made 20% of the time and a guy makes it, that's 0.8 defensive runs saved. On the flip side, if he doesn't make that play, that's minus 0.2 defensive runs saved. And there's a deep technological formula to how this all comes together for defensive runs saved. But the bigger thing is just to simply keep in mind that if a play is made 90% of the time and a guy doesn't make it, that's really bad. If a play is designed to be made 10% of the time and a guy makes it, that's really good. And that's what defensive runs saved really looks at. It's kind of an aggregation, a plus minus of all the plays that a fielder or a team makes compared to how often those plays are made based on the system, which is part of uh, the fielding Bible and also baseball info solutions and all these kinds of things. There are a lot of hands in the cookie jar when it comes to defensive runs saved, but it's a stat that you know is, is pretty simple, to be completely honest with you. While the formula is difficult and sometimes the grading of plays can be a little bit difficult, it just basically says, look, I mean, is this team making the plays it should make? Is this team making some of the plays that maybe it shouldn't make? And if so, that's a really good defensive team. 
And defensive metrics, look, I mean, over the course of a season, there will be some variance with them. But the Brewers are number one right now in defensive runs saved at plus 23. The Diamondbacks are number two, plus 19. The Mariners are th- – actually, let me run this back here. Uh, the Brewers are first, 23. Diamondbacks and the Tigers both tied for second with 19. The Blue Jays fourth with 18. Mariners fifth with 12. The bottom here, the A's are dead last, minus 24. Royals minus 18. White Sox minus 15. Nationals minus 15. Then also the Marlins minus 12. Another team minus 11, the Cincinnati Reds. So when you kind of look at this, I, I think it makes sense, right? I mean, a lot of the good teams are pretty good defensively. A lot of the bad teams aren't very good defensively. And those bad teams that aren't good defensively, the A's, the Royals, the White Sox, the Nationals, teams like that, they don't have a lot of pitchers that strike a lot of guys out. So it makes sense that their defensive metrics would hurt them in terms of the runs that they're allowing. So defensive runs save just a plus minus where it aggregates everything up on an individual player level and also on a full team level. Now, I've talked before in the past about DEF, DEF, like most DEF, the DEF metric over at Fangraphs, which is fielding runs above average and the positional adjustment. Now, what the positional adjustment means is that if you're a league average shortstop, that's way more important than being a league average first baseman, right? Because the number of fielding chances for shortstops you know, are different than they are for first baseman, right? At first base, you're largely catching a throw from somebody else. You know, yeah, you're sometimes getting a ground ball over there, making a play down the line, something like that. But shortstops have a lot more balls hit to them than first basemen do. Similarly, a second baseman would have more balls hit to him than a first baseman would. So the DEF metric is fielding runs above average with this positional adjustment. So you might have a team that has a great defensive third baseman, but a bad defensive shortstop. That hurts you in the long run because shortstop is a more important defensive position than third base is. Similarly, you might have a bad center fielder with a couple of good corner outfielders, but that positional adjustment will negatively impact you if your center fielder is a below average fielder, if your center fielder is just not good at what he's doing because more balls are hit that the center fielder is supposed to get to than the two corner outfielders. So that DEF metric, which is all encompassing, takes into account, you know, catcher defense and all these types of things as well. Not surprisingly, looks very similar to defensive runs saved. The Brewers are the top team at 16.3. Diamondbacks next at 12. And that's defensive runs saved above average, basically just using fan graphs as opposed to the traditional defensive runs saved metric. Mariners are third. Tigers are fourth. Astros are fifth. The bottom, the Baltimore Orioles, the worst team by this metric in baseball, minus 11.8. The Pirates, minus 10.2. Blue Jays, minus 8.5. Guardians, minus 7.9. Marlins, minus 6.6, along with the Rockies. And of course, keep in mind the Rockies, you know, Coors Field, a very, very difficult place to be a defender more often than not. But I think it's pretty fascinating when you look at the fact that the Blue Jays are plus 18 in defensive runs saved, which puts them firmly in the top 10. It actually puts them fourth. But the DEF metric has them 28th and outs above average, which is StatCast's metric, has them at minus eight. So just outside of the bottom five. And that's one of the problems. And that's one of the things why 
it's so difficult with these defensive metrics because you get a lot of different numbers across the different sources, which is why they're not totally reliable. And so I will look at them when there's a really big discrepancy, when a lot of things do line up, but that doesn't always happen. You know, you will have some of these big variations from resource to resource. For example, the Atlanta Braves are 28th in outs above average at minus 12, but they're plus three in defensive runs saved. So the the different reporting sources, I guess I'll say, do kind of throw some wrenches in this thing and do make things a little bit difficult. So it's not foolproof by any means, but these are you know indicators, things you can look at. Uh, it's kind of almost... To me, I sort of think of it and draw a parallel with special teams in football. You know, something where it's a big part of the game. We don't normally think that much about it. I think that's kind of what the defensive metrics are like here. And for outs above average, which is from StatCast, and this is kind of taken over as sort of the primary defensive metric, I think, for a lot of people out there. Outs above average is exactly what it means. You know, if you're looking for a player who's getting the more balls, making more plays than others. So, for example, you know, if it's a 25% out probability, you get plus 0.75 outs above average. If you don't make that play, you get minus 0.25 outs above average. Now, the big difference with this is because it's baseball savant, they can look at some more of the data. So, for example, you can look at how hard the ball was hit, what the launch angle was, where the fielder was positioned, because the stat cast cameras positioned around the ballpark track absolutely everything they track where the fielder started how hard the ball was hit where it was hit what the fielder's sprint speed is all these different types of things so outs above average is probably the most reliable of the defensive metrics that we have because it's tracking all of this stuff in real time along with other variables and other factors that the def metric that defensive runs saved that those stats can't really account for so Long story short, if you're going to look at defensive metrics, I think outs above average is where you want to look. And you can look for that over at BaseballSavant.com. You can see that over at StatCast as well. And you can see it on both an individual level and also a full team level. So the top teams in outs above average this year, the Diamondbacks with 13, the Mariners with 12, the Padres with 11, Tigers 8, Brewers 7, the bottom of the league, Orioles minus 15, the Rockies minus 13, Braves minus 12, Red Sox minus 10, Marlins minus 9. So in the course of a one-game sample size, how much does this matter? Well, that's up for debate. But over the long haul, over the course of the season, you know, I think it matters because when you look at pitchers specifically, you know, and you've got a pitcher who's maybe a positive regression candidate for the Red Sox, and they're a bad defensive team, well, maybe his positive regression doesn't show up as much because the team behind him simply isn't going to convert enough outs for him. On the flip side, if you're pitching for the Diamondbacks and you are a positive regression guy, well, that defense is probably going to help you out a little bit more. So that's kind of what I use it for. I think about it in the context of, yeah, I got a pitch-to-contact starter for Arizona, and they've got a really good defensive team. Maybe I'm more inclined to back that guy then I would be a pitch-to-contact starter for the Orioles or for the Rockies, somebody like that. So that's my application of stats like outs above average of the other defensive metrics that are out there. Good information, as always, over at Fangraphs, so I encourage you to check all of that out. 
Coming up after a short break, a look at the Monday, May 8th card in Major League Baseball. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back here on VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. Again, five-star reviews, very much appreciated if you've got the time to do that. Hopefully you like all of our podcasts here in our VEASAN family of podcasts. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today's card gave me a headache. Um, it's a difficult card, I think, here. Uh, you got six games, five games, excuse me, in the National League, six games in the American League, a lot of big favorites on the board, uh, some pitchers who are in big favorite roles who haven't been pitching all that great, some pitchers in big favorite roles who have been pitching pretty good. Uh, it's a difficult card in a lot of ways here. I only wound up with two plays on the card, and to be totally honest with you, I struggled to get to that point. Um, this is not one of my favorite cards of the season at all, 
And to be fair, I mean, last week I had a couple of cards I loved and the results just weren't very good. So sometimes that's going to happen, you know, with Major League Baseball and just kind of the amount of variance built in to this sport. But let's look at some of the games I didn't take, and then I'll talk about a couple of the games that I did. So I'm going to talk about the Rockies and the Pirates first. Also, it's the first game by rotation number here. Kyle Freeland and Mitch Keller. Keller and the Pirates, anywhere from $1.65 to $1.80 favorite. This line is kind of all over the place here. The Pirates have dropped seven in a row, but the Rockies are not the Rays, and they're certainly not the Blue Jays either. And in this game, you've got Kyle Freeland on the mound for the Rockies. As I mentioned, Mitch Keller going for the Pirates. And Freeland is left-handed. And the Pirates are a top-five offense against lefties. And so you would think that this would be a good spot for Pittsburgh to kind of get back on track here. I'm not totally sold on Mitch Keller. 332 ERA, 335. The numbers say that he's pitching you know, about as well as he should be. But this is a guy whose strikeout percentage this year is 6% above his career average, 7.8% higher than last season. Is that sustainable? Is that going to continue for Keller? I would say probably not. But at the same time, he's run a really, really low hard hit percentage, 25.5%. That's also probably not sustainable. So we'll see what happens in this game. I, I think that the Pirates being this clear of a favorite is a fair number in this game, but I'm not really sold on Keller. And while the Pirates did play a really good you know, set of teams over the last week, I, I really think they were playing well above their heads, well above their true talent level. So I'll be interested to see how they bounce back now that they're playing against lesser competition again, where, I mean, the AL East is just blowing everybody away. I mean, that's just how it's been all season long. They're out of division strength or they're out of division record is absurd. So maybe it was just that for the Pirates. I happen to think it was a little bit more than that, but I guess we'll see here as they take on a team like Colorado. Dodgers and Brewers in this one. Freddie Peralta, Tony Gonsal in the two starters for this one. Peralta and the Brewers, eh, this line's kind of all over the place as well. Minus 105 to minus 115. Most places do have the Brewers as a favorite in this game, some do have it as kind of a money line pick'em situation. Uh, the Dodgers got to Milwaukee at 3 a.m. Central Time, so it was a late night for the Dodgers coming off of Sunday night baseball against the Padres. So you don't get a whole lot of situational spots, I don't think, in Major League Baseball. This may be one of them with the Dodgers here today because they got in so late, coming off of such a big series against rival San Diego. That's something that you would think theoretically should help the Brewers, but. Pretty ugly road trip for them going to Denver and San Francisco. Didn't play particularly well. They're not hitting right now. Uh, their bullpen is is not trustworthy outside of Devin Williams. This is a bullpen that's really fallen off the pace from where it was a couple of seasons ago. Uh, Peralta's been good overall this season. 363 ERA, 361 FIP. Couple of hiccups against the Padres and the Red Sox, but otherwise he's been really good in his other four starts. And the Dodgers, look, I mean, the Dodgers are terrible against lefties, good against righties. Peralta's a righty. They get two lefties coming up next in Eric Lauer and Wade Miley. So maybe I may have a play on the on the Brewers tomorrow, although Lauer is a guy who has not looked good, decreased velocity, all of that. Generally speaking, teams will send a starting pitcher out early if they have a situation like what the Dodgers had. So I didn't find anything when researching this, but I would assume 
that the Dodgers probably sent Tony Gonsolin to Milwaukee sometime yesterday afternoon instead of taking the team flight. So he probably got in early. He should be okay, I would think. So with that in mind, I did think about the under in this game. You know, maybe some tired swings from the Dodgers. Uh, the Brewers, not great offensively. But Gonsolin struggled in his first two starts here. So I just don't really have much in that game. And it, that's kind of the theme throughout most of the rest of the card here. I mean, you got Zach Gallon in a big favorite role for the Diamondbacks against the Marlins. And Gallon deserves every bit of every big favorite role. I mean, he's been incredible so far this season. 57 strikeouts and 42 and two-thirds. 253 ERA, 171 FIP. He's been dominant outside of his first two starts of the year where he gave up nine of his 12 earned runs. Braxton Garrett gave up 11 runs last time out for the Marlins, but he's not facing the Braves anymore. He's facing the Diamondbacks, who aren't the same caliber of offense against left-handed pitching at the Braves are. So that's another one where I thought, okay, are the Marlins maybe live here? No, I don't think so. They're 11-0 in one-run games this year. That has to regress at some point. They are not as good of a team as their record would suggest, so I didn't really want to take them today, but didn't really want to lay the big number with Gallon either because the Diamondbacks, you know, they're just not really that great of an offense against lefties. So tough game there. No interest in the Nationals and Giants game. Giants over a $2 favorite in this one. Anthony DiSclefani has given up a lot of hard contact. Uh, he's pitched around it so far. I think that'll catch up to him, maybe not with the Nationals, but with somebody else sometime soon. Switching to the American League, Tanner Bybee makes his third start for Cleveland against Joey Wentz and the Tigers. Rain in the forecast. We'll see if they get this game in in Cleveland. But, you know, Bybee's a guy that's been great the first two times through the order and then lost his velocity the third time through the order. And that's where he struggled a little bit. He's given up a homer and two doubles out of seven batters faced the third time through the order. So, should be fine, but, you know, he's struggling in the middle part of games, and the Cleveland offense is really bad. So if the Guardians offense doesn't do anything here today against Joey Wentz, and they should, I mean, Joey Wentz is a 667 ERA, 561 FIP, then, you know, Cleveland all of a sudden gets caught up in a bullpen game, and their bullpen's been a little bit shaky. So it was tough to lay the number in this one, but one thing I think you can look at here and Zach Cohen writes about player props for us over at vcin.com. Righties in 94 plate appearances against Joey Wentz so far this year. 291, 351, 547 slash, 385 weighted on base average. So the righties for Cleveland, and they've got some switch hitters and stuff like that as well. The righties for Cleveland should be set up for some success today. A Jose Ramirez, a Josh Bell, who's swinging the bat a lot better here. Uh, I would think that Tyler Freeman finds his way into this game, or at least he should. Um, maybe today's the day Ahmed Rosario actually does something. I don't know. But outside of that, I uh, didn't really see much interest in that game. Not a whole lot of interest in this Rays and Orioles game either, where, you know, I, I just, I think Kyle Gibson's not very good, but now he's back at home and Oriole Park is a ballpark that suppresses offense. So maybe he'll be a little bit better here, but that's a guy where, you know, when I talk about regression candidates, Kyle Gibson was one and became a guy who suffered some regression. 360 ERA, 449 FIP in his first five starts, but he's allowed nine runs on 18 hits in his last two starts. Now has a 461 ERA with a 450 FIP. So exactly what was supposed to happen happened for Kyle Gibson. 
And I think as a ground ball guy, that definitely tends to come a little bit quicker, I would say. And that's come for Gibson in his last two starts. So, you know, do you lay a run line with McClanahan and cut down on the juice where it's $1.75 to $1.90 favorite? You could, but also the Orioles are a top five offense against lefties and just beat the hell out of Max Fried last week. So difficult one there where, you know, maybe the raise price was a little bit short at $1.75 or $1.65 where it opened, but tough to really like anything at this point in time. J.P. Sears and Nestor Cortez between the A's and the Yankees. Sears getting a start against his former team. The A's got him in that Frankie Montas deal, which has not worked out for the Yankees at all whatsoever. Sears is a guy I don't want to bet on on the road because he's a you know kind of a fly ball pitch to contact-ish guy despite having over a strikeout per inning this season. I, I don't think that's going to continue, but I don't want to touch that guy at Yankee Stadium. At the same time, the Yankees' offense has been a joke ever since Aaron Judge went out of the lineup. So that's a tough game to kind of take a look at here. And Oakland, they're 18th in weighted on base average against lefties, 106 WRC+, plus, ninth in road weighted on base average. They're 12th in WOBA on the road against lefties. But it's Nestor Cortez. Do you want to go against Nestor Cortez? Look, I'll say this. Cortez has not been super sharp. He's coming off of strep throat. If you've ever had that, it's miserable. Uh, so we'll see what Cortez looks like in this start, but he hasn't been the same guy. 491 ERA, 469 FIP, but I couldn't take Sears at Yankee Stadium where you hit the ball in the air and it's a home run. So another tough game there. White Sox and Royals, same thing. Dylan Cease has not been Dylan Cease. 458 ERA, 434 FIP, giving up a 52% hard hit percentage. He's facing the Royals. They're third in hard hit percentage on offense but they also strike out a ton and they don't walk. So this could be a chance for Dylan Cease to get back on track here as a minus 125, minus 130 favorite. On the other hand, the Royals are an offensive you know, juggernaut with making hard contact. They just don't have the results for it. So is today the day against Dylan Cease, they hit a bunch of balls hard and get results? It's possible. And do the White Sox hit Zach Greinke? I mean, everybody should. But do the White Sox? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they hit the Reds around the ballpark last weekend. But, you know, that's not a very good offensive team either. Both these teams bottom 10 and Woba against righties. Tough to make a play in that game, too. So just a frustrating day around Major League Baseball where there were so many pros and so many cons in every one of these games that I just I had a real hard time with today's card. And now as I'm watching the odd screen light up with a line move against me on a play that I did make, um, we'll see. I guess we'll kind of see what happens here with today's card. But to the two plays that I did make, look, no ballpark in baseball is affected by bad weather as much as Wrigley Field. And I fully understand that. But I took the over today, over seven, with the Cardinals and the Cubs, Miles Michaelis and Marcus Stroman. Again, the weather is not good. Winds blowing in from left, temps in the 50s, not exactly great offensive conditions. But when you look at Marcus Stroman, I don't worry so much about that because he's such an extreme ground ball guy that this has to be about the Cardinals who put a lot of balls in play, stringing hits together. And I wanted to fade Marcus Stroman. And last night, the Cardinals were plus 125 or so. I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? People are so down on this Cardinals team, 
The Cubs should be a lot better than they are. Their Pythagorean win-loss suggests that. Their base runs suggest that. Maybe this line goes up a little bit. That was not the case. Betters going against Marcus Stroman today, 218 ERA, 369 FIP, 60.2% ground ball percentage with a 248 batting average on balls in play. Look, dating back to 2015, and I ran this query last week, guys with a ground ball percentage of 59% or higher, only six of them out of 20 qualified starters for a season had a BABIP under 270, and Strowman's is at 248. That's going to regress, and when it does, Strowman will give up some runs, and I'm hoping today is that day. And not only is it the batting average on balls in play, it's also his left on base percentage, which is astronomically high at 86.1%. I wish the weather was better, but I like the projection for this Cardinals offense today against Strowman with all of these regression concerns. And also, he only has a 397 expected ERA, and he's running a career-best strikeout percentage at 23.3%. So regression is coming for Marcus Stroman. If it doesn't happen today, I'll look for it to happen later in the week. If it doesn't happen then, I'll look for it to happen the week after. But I'm looking for Marcus Stroman to have a correction in his numbers, a lot like the one we saw for Kyle Gibson. And then for Miles Michaelis, he's getting better, but he's still not quite there yet. And he's a guy that a lot of balls in play, doesn't miss a lot of bats, doesn't strike a lot of guys out. And I know the weather's not great today, but I still think that there will be a lot of balls in play for both of these offenses. I just need the hits at the right time. Both of these bullpens have struggled here recently as well. So I took the over seven in that Cardinals and Cubs game at minus 115. I know the weather's not great, but I think the pitching matchup is conducive for runs, and I do think that maybe the weather helping us out a little bit here with this total, where if it was a neutral weather day, this might be a total of eight and a half, to be totally honest with you. And I don't think the bad weather, again, is that much of an impact with a guy like Stroman, who's allowing a bunch of ground balls anyway. The other play I made for today, and and this is the one I alluded to, where this line is moving against me quite a bit right now. The board is absolutely lighting up. And again, Shop around for the best prices, particularly when it comes to underdogs. So I'm using DraftKings numbers for the article for the tracking sheet. DraftKings owns VSIN, if you didn't know that. But DraftKings does not have the best baseball numbers in the marketplace. They start with 20 cent lines, they go up to 25 cent lines, I believe at minus 150 or minus 160. Uh, and, and then they go up to 30 cents after that. Uh, They're minus 115 on first fives as a default in terms of totals. They have 30 cent first five money lines. Look, I I know that they're widely available and a lot of people use them, but in any sport, it is very important to shop around for the best price. And with spread sports, a lot of times the board just looks the same. Maybe the VIG's a little bit different, but if a line's four and a half, it's four and a half across most of the market. If a line's five, it's five across most of the market. Baseball is a different story because of the way that the money line prices are structured. So it's critically important to shop around for the best price in baseball. Sometimes that will be at DraftKings. Sometimes it will not be. In this game, it absolutely isn't. But for the purposes of the article, Rangers plus 145 is the other play. I mean, out here at Circa in Las Vegas, I see Rangers at plus 165 now. So, I mean, a 20 cent difference is massive when you talk about you know, your break-even rate, how often you need that team to win, 
to make money, the implied win probability, all these types of things. So it's very, very, very important for you to have multiple sports books to be able to shop around for the best prices. In any event, I just simply thought this line was too high. I mean, I don't have any earth-shattering analysis or anything like that. Money is coming in against John Gray because he has a 440 ERA and a 622 FIP, and he's only struck out two batters in each of his last three starts. These are all concerning things. These are all things I fully took into account with the handicap of this game. But Logan Gilbert, his last three starts have been his three highest from an average exit velocity standpoint. Texas is a really good offense. They're top five against both lefties and righties. And the Mariners coming off of an emotionally charged series against the Astros, maybe a little bit of a hangover. The Rangers have just been pretty steadily good throughout the course of the season here. I just thought that this price was too high. I mean, the Mariners are 18th and weighted on base average. This is a good pitcher's park for John Gray. Uh, the Mariners, you know, have been in a state of flux with the bullpen because of overuse, injuries, all these kinds of things. The Rangers won back-to-back blowouts, so they didn't have to use their bullpen the last two days. I just thought this price was high. So Rangers plus 145 is where it's tracked at in the sheet and in the article, but I implore you and encourage you to shop around for a better price on that game. Uh, Hopefully you grasp the defensive metrics uh, discussion. I know it's very difficult sometimes looking at a lot of these advanced concepts and a lot of these advanced stats. But what you really need to know is just go look at the leaderboards by player, by team for outs above average, defensive runs saved, DEF, all these kinds of things. And think about that in the context of the type of pitcher that you're looking to back. Because if it's a guy that lets a lot of balls in play with a bad defense, that's really problematic. And that's, I think, the primary takeaway. I probably could have saved us all 15 minutes by just saying that. But that's probably the primary takeaway is kind of applying the context of how well or how poorly a team performs defensively relative to the type of pitching staff or the type of pitcher that it has. If you need help with that, a Burke at vcin.com or at skating tripods on Twitter. Last note I'll leave you with here, and the show did run as long as Mondays usually do. Uh, Monday mailbag next week. Ask me your questions. Baseball, life, music, beer, bourbon. Uh, whatever, whatever your question is, hit me up at skating tripods on Twitter, a Burke at vcin.com. I'll answer as many listener questions as I can on next Monday's show for the Monday mailbag. And we'll probably carry that over uh, throughout some other Monday episodes as well. So thanks for sticking it out with me here on a Monday. Really appreciate it. Rate review, subscribe, come back tomorrow and hear another edition of vcin daily baseball bets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.